0: We just don't have a lot of practice in dealing with heavy deep emotions because our society is emotion phobic they're emotion avoidant we don't like those hard feelings we have this notion of positivity and we always have to be positive and it doesn't give us a lot of practice in dealing with and sitting and holding and tolerating those more difficult painful feelings of grief or despair that we don't we push it away and push it away and push it away and it becomes the monster under the bed. We were too afraid of looking at it. And so in, when I'm journeying with clients, I'm helping them to feel safe enough to start to, to examine and to look at some of those feelings so that they don't feel so overwhelming and so scary. But that they are feelings that that will eventually give way so that we can find there's some beauty there's some life afterwards but we can't get to that point if we can't even accept this is what our reality is
1: hello friends welcome to the live boldly podcast with sarah Shulton kranz this is an inspiring podcast for those seeking proven ways of healing growing and transcending their lives I am a legendary leader in healing, acclaimed author, keynote, and TEDx speaker, a mom, an adventurer, and a believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, every other week I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from hand picked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. The image that just popped into my head was what we talked about down in the in the canyon about this image of Atlas, about how, you know, many of us see ourselves as holding up the world, right? Where, you know, we our job is to lift everyone else up and lift and, you know, be that point of strength and, you know, we we're it if we if it's not on us, the whole world's going to collapse. And it's so not true. And what I really learned, you know, here is one, you know, allow yourself to be vulnerable and allow yourself to be held. I mean, there was no greater space than in this sisterhood that we created. These, you know, nine strangers that came together and formed this incredible net. You know, I know if I fall, I'll fall into that and I'll be held by my sisters. And I no longer feel like I have to hold the world up by myself that's beautiful thank you mm-hmm. i always got your back yeah i know you do mm-hmm. always hey everyone welcome to another episode of the live boldly podcast with sarah shelton kranz today i had on kelly huggins she is a licensed clinical social worker certified grief counseling specialist a certified clinical trauma professional and emdr trained psychotherapist i and grateful for this conversation that I had this evening recorded at my parents' home um, out here in Wisconsin, very rural Wisconsin, and we really used this time to dive into my own grief journey. I guess you could say not only was I interviewing Kelly, but I also was allowing myself to sit in the space of being a client during this episode, um, and I hope that through my own vulnerability, in sharing with you some of this own of some of my own grief journey that I've been walking through uh, Because of my mom's passing on July 6th that it helps all of you in some way as well When we share we open doors for others to also do the same and to learn from what they are also walking through So go grab your journals and take yourself into the space beside us. Uh, Before I dive into this with you, I'd like to remind you that we do have three of our very last Grand Canyon retreats coming up, one over Thanksgiving of this year and two in January of 2023. We will no longer be offering these, After January, because the Grand Canyon is they are going to be redoing the water pipeline throughout the Grand Canyon. And uh, the National Park Service is closing all of the operations at the bottom of the Grand Canyon indefinitely until they finish this uh, renovation, I guess you could say. So look out for other retreats that we are all (laughs) that we are also going to be um, offering down the road. However, I will say that these are our signature healing retreats and they are amazing three months of deep dive coaching uh, into your own life Um, really having a lot of fun with it along the way as well along with a five or six day retreat in the grand canyon you also do get a uh, one-on-one session with me it is transformational worth every bit of your investment into self i've seen everything happen from completely changing lives Uh, to changing careers and babies and finding people, their partners in life. Uh, These are meant for both men and women. Uh, This is not uh, either women or men. And I will tell you that you will walk out of this journey a completely different human being seeing your life in a through a clear lens with a completely different perspective. So I encourage you to join us. Uh, you can email me, sarah at com or go into my website, com and schedule a discovery call with me. Let's see if it's the right fit for you. So with that, let's get dive into this amazing conversation that I had uh, with Kelly. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here and walking this journey beside me and within this beautiful community that we have created together. Thank you. And um, also one last thing, post it into your social media. Let me know what you think, because I love hearing from all of you. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Live Boldly podcast, everyone. This is going to be a little bit different than we've ever done it before, because that's how we do things here. We create the coolest things for everyone. But I would say it's an experience. And that's what this particular podcast episode is going to be. I welcome Kelly Huggins to this episode. You're going to talk a little bit about who you are and how you got into this work. But the difference and the difference in this episode is that it's all about grief, the journey of grief. And I am going to be your client, which is going to be very fun. Because you know what the grief journey just like I say, any journey in life does not have to suck. No healing journey really has to be a journey of, of the most difficult thing you've ever walked through. And so we can still um, create and enjoy along the way. And I'm deep into my grief journey right now with the passing of my mom on July 6th. And I just did a podcast episode, Kelly, if you don't know, just recently of my journey in grief throughout the month of July, as I led three healing retreats. And it was a very powerful episode. If you have not listened to it, go listen to it. And this grief journey doesn't end. I'm just in the beginning. I, Like I said, I'm in it, but I'm also in the beginning of it. And this is definitely a journey that I have never been down before. So welcome to this podcast episode, Kelly. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much for having me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Is that weird to say that a grief journey doesn't have to suck? I think that there are parts that do suck. Oh, and yeah. And I
0: think giving permission that it sucks is really validating, but also realizing that there can be beautiful things that you learn along the way if you're open to them.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. It's, I hadn't, I had recorded an episode. I don't even know how long ago it was a couple of years ago with someone who talked about the journey being, it's like holding grief and joy at the same time that you can hold the both of them. And I will say that she's a professor of in, in, in dealing with grief. And I will say that's what i found that this journey has been for me has been a complete balance of the wonder, the awe, the sadness, the depth of missing somebody this much and also giving myself permission to balance the joy and what we have had together and continue to have. My mom and I continue to have post her passing. And so that was a really powerful conversation for me to have with this particular person. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think that for some, being able to hold both of those feelings, the pain and the joy of life or living The gratitude for the relationship that you have, that doesn't always come naturally or easy or in the beginning for some folks. So I just want to put it out there that there's no right or wrong way in grief and that we all do it differently and in our own way. And hopefully we all are able to get to that place where we can hold both the sadness and the loss and the longing along with some excitement for our future, some appreciation for the gifts that life gives. That's definitely my hope for all who are grieving.
1: Yeah. First of all, let's just have you introduce a little bit about who you are and how you got into this work, just so everybody knows a little bit about you.
0: Yeah, so I'm a clinical social worker and have worked in bereavement and hospice, oncology work, and currently now have a private practice focusing on grief and loss and trauma. I've been doing this work for about 15 years and have journeyed with families, kiddos, and adults.
1: How that must be quite the experience for you, being able to go through this journey with so many different people. Does it do you take it on at all? Do you ever feel like you're taking the sadness or the pain? home with you?
0: Uh, Certainly at times. Yeah. And I have to do my own work for sure to make sure that I don't get compassion fatigue, that I don't get burnt out by taking on everyone else's grief and problems. If anything, when I journey with my clients, it helps me to uh, appreciate the gifts that I have to be able to see the resiliency of the spirit of my clients and so I know that it's in there and so when I can companion and and validate and sit in the muck with them I know that they're not alone with that pain they're sharing it with me and that makes that the feeling inside of me knowing that I can do that and that's a gift that I can give is I wouldn't trade it for anything
1: yeah so you got into this grief journey and how we, we all know that there's the stages of grief, but can we start with that? What are the I stages I would
0: actually of say that there are no stages of grief. Oh, that would I love this. One of the myths or misunderstandings that just about every grief therapist worth their salt is going to let you know there are no stages in grief that... So Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is who originally created the Stages of Grief, and she was studying white men who were dying from cancer. They knew they were dying, and she chronicled, she was able to see some patterns, some similarities between their experiences of the emotions that they were feeling. She never intended for that to be translated into grievers, but we all know that we like quick fixes. We don't like nuance. We want to know exactly what to do. And so if we know that there is a particular stage and we just have to get through these stages that our grief will be open. And that is really unhelpful for so many bereaved because they start to think, am I going crazy? I thought I was past this. Right. Feeling. Now I'm going back to this feeling. What does this mean? And so it's easier if we can just start off by saying, There is no right or wrong way to do grief. There is no particular stages. There's no timelines. Grief takes as long as it takes. One of the things that that we do know is that what the relationship was like that you had with the person who died. What kind of unfinished business was there with that person? What's the culture like? Is there connections with particular faith tradition? All of these different kinds of things impact what grief is going to look like rather than some arbitrary stage that is now universal for all people. It's different for everyone.
1: All right. I love the fact that you said it depends on, do you have unfinished business? Tell me a little bit more about that when you talk about unfinished business. What was left unsaid?
0: What didn't get resolved? What do you wish you could have said? What do you wish the other person could have said? What didn't get done that that you wanted to have done? It could be there was some conflict. It could be that I never got to say that I was sorry. It was they never got to see their grandchildren or they didn't get to see this or I didn't get to atone for something. So there's lots of things that, that kind of go into that bucket of unfinished business.
1: How do you help people through unfinished business?
0: That's probably one of the hardest things I think for people. And so one of the one of the things that that I would do is we have to build trust too. The so this wouldn't be first session, okay, let's talk about some of this unfinished business because there's oftentimes some shame or some anger or some resentment that's around that. And we have as a society a rule of we don't talk ill of the dead. And so it can be hard to bring some of this stuff up. If you're upset or disappointed or angry, not every relationship with a deceased was wonderful. And so sometimes there's some dark things in the closet that because they're still there, it makes it really complicated, this grief process. So it might be asking them, write a letter, or it might be, let's imagine them sitting here with us. What do you want to say to that person? And just giving them free reign to say what they need. And usually it doesn't take, too long before all of the stuff comes out all of the feelings
1: what about if you have unanswered questions and the reason i'm the reason i'm bringing this up is because my mom and i had a really beautiful long conversation on the 4th of july beautiful checked in on her the morning of the 5th i was going on my paddleboard and i She hated when it got windy out there because she couldn't hear. I would, I literally put my phone in my front left pocket and I have my earbuds attached. And because they're my earbuds, (laughs) the wind hits up, the splash of the water hits up and she would get, she'd be like, okay, where are you right now? Are you on the water? Yes, mom, I am. And uh, we talked all the time, at least once a day. And she said, I can hear it. Why don't you call me when you're done? And I said, okay, no big deal. And then instead of that, instead of talking to her, I listened to a song literally over and over on replay that reminded me of her that i literally heard the day before sung by a girl who was sitting next to me on the beach. After I got done having my two hour long conversation with her, I went to the beach. She, mom, had asked me, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do now? And I said, I'm going to go down and take a nap on the beach. And I was literally, we had such a good talk. And then I was laying on the beach and to the right of me, this girl starts singing, You Don't Own Me. Do you know that song? It's amazing. It's just an amazing song. And and I was laughing because I was listening to the words and I was like, that song reminds me of my mom because it's all about she just it's this love of life and loving being free and young and she doesn't tell other people what to do so please don't tell her what to do and I was watching this girl sing this and I just started cracking up and I'm like I got to figure out what song this is because this is my mom and I were very close and we also had our times where we didn't see eye to eye so anyhow so that next day I checked in on her and then I was going to call her back and I didn't and I had asked her in the on the phone, I said, hey, this conversation that we had yesterday, how are you doing after it? And it, we had a really deep, loving, beautiful mother-daughter, just an amazing conversation. And she said, I have some thoughts I want to share with you. And I didn't call her back. And I didn't call her back because... I ended up having some things that I was dealing with my son overseas and I had to take care of a flight that got misconstrued and all these other things that, you know, parenting takes up space time. And I kept thinking, I got to call her back. I got to call her back. I got to call her back. And then I ended up having a long conversation instead with my brother that night, which was an amazing conversation. And my mom ended up having this amazing conversation with my niece. And so she was on the phone with everybody anyhow that night. But I was listening to that song over and over again instead on the water, on replay, singing it out loud, laughing, going, God, mom, this is you. But I never told her that song reminded me of her either. And I was going to. And so when I was in charge of my mom's memorial video, I made that the second song. There were two songs. One was Pacelli. Was it Pacelli? No, it wasn't Pacelli. It was about mother, dear, and mother, whatever it was. But anyhow, it was just beautiful. Was just a beautiful song. And then that was the second song. So I had the dichotomy of my mom, right? The the mother, and then the, the beauty of who she also was, which was this just let me live free, let me be me, which is what I loved about her. And I never had that conversation. So I never got her thoughts. And that was the last thing she said to me was, I have some thoughts that I want to share with you. And so have I been struggling with that? Not so much because I really, I ran those three retreats in the month of July and I had so many amazing moments within nature where she showed up for me when I would just literally say, are you there? And then this beautiful rainbow came around the sun And, you know, the hearts, the clouds formed into a heart. And I had, I was sitting with my group in Alaska, going through this amazing coaching session, talking about affirmations and the affirmations that my mom held. And all of a sudden I looked up into the mountains and literally written in snow was I am. And so there were so many beautiful, there's been so many beautiful moments. And I literally sat with it right after my brother called me that morning, I got the text message, woke up in the middle of the morning to my phone it was off, but I just knew I was like something's wrong and I turned my phone over and there was a text message from my brother saying and my sister-in-law call me now and so right away I knew I was like, oh my god, she's not here anymore I just knew without even knowing. and so I called and sure enough it was the middle of the night and she had passed away. my dad walked out and thankfully she did it just how she wanted to in her sleep she told me I just don't want to wake up someday and that's what she, that's what she got. And I sat with it right afterwards when I said, and I said to my brother, I didn't call her back. And he, and I sat with my words in that moment of, I didn't call her back. And I don't know what she, her thoughts were. And I literally at that same time went, I heard it's okay, it's okay. Because it, for me, where I've learned in my own journey, if it's through grief, if it's through healing in my own trauma, it's, some things you won't ever have the full answers to, but you just know internally. And, and so I feel like she's come through these three retreats that I've run in that it's okay that I don't have all the answers because I never will. I could go on this journey and seeking and seeking, but I will never fully have those answers. I'm a little different with that. I know that there are a lot of people that don't feel that way and they're not there in that space. How do you help somebody when they want, They seek. They forever seek, they don't, they didn't make that last phone call. They didn't, they didn't say, I'm sorry. They didn't, and they want the answers back. It's one thing for you to, and I do this with my forgiveness work with people. It's one thing to be able to write the letter and say the words, and yet they don't have that those words back, which they seek so deeply. What do you do? How do you help people through that?
0: There's actually a beautiful exercise that has been really helpful. And it's a take off of that, writing that letter. But you also, you know, you'd write a letter to your loved one and then you turn the page and I ask them, what would your loved one say back to you? And they write it. Yep. Because we know inside, if we allow ourselves, because that person was so important to us. And we almost, we internalize, we know deep down inside what this person would want to say to us right now, if we let us. And so for those clients who, who do struggle with this not knowing or these unanswered questions, giving them that space to write helps them to realize that they do know what that answer is. And it's usually filled with tears and this deep
1: acceptance and release. Um, yeah, I gonna say it's a release. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when I, it was like, I heard it, right. Like it was like, I heard her voice come through me and say, it's okay. It's okay. You have the answers. We, 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 like we are, my mom and I were very much one in the same, like I could finish her sentences and she would finish mine. Normally I would finish her sentences and talk over her because that's just how I was. And she would say, could you let me finish my sentence? So in a way, I feel like, but of course I'm the talker, literally. And I feel like I, I definitely have had that. And at that same time, I was thinking to myself, my gosh, all those people that don't get that. That don't have that and how do they reconcile that because it's definitely a space of where you want reconciliation with it and so thank you for that thank you for that so when you're also taking people through this journey what are some of the hardest parts of it for some people what have you found to be so difficult yeah
0: yeah, I think some of the other pieces that are really challenging is this idea of there is no going back. I want my life the way that it was, or this, I don't like this new normal. I don't want this way. I want my mom. I want my my child. Whoever it is, I don't want this. And it's getting to that place of acceptance that this is That's usually the hardest part for people. The feeling of the pain can feel just overwhelming and all-consuming and scary. But the idea that perhaps this is how it's always going to be, that's also really scary. And so trying to reassure and comfort people that all of our feelings are transient. They're going to shift and change and go through with us. We just don't have a lot of practice in dealing with heavy, deep emotions because our society is emotion phobic. They're emotion avoidant. We don't like those hard feelings. We have this notion of positivity and we always have to be positive. And it doesn't give us a lot of practice in dealing with and sitting and holding and tolerating those more difficult, painful feelings of grief or despair that we don't we push it away and push it away and push it away, and it becomes the monster under the bed. We were too afraid of looking at it, and so, in when I'm journeying with clients, I'm helping them to feel safe enough to start to to examine and to look at some of those feelings, so that they don't feel so overwhelming and so scary, but that they are feelings that that will eventually give way, so that we can find there's some beauty, there's some life afterwards, but we can't get to that point if we can't even accept this is what our reality is this is what this pain is we have to be able to just sit there for a little while and I find that when we can companion with them that it's not so scary there's someone else that's there with them sharing this with them it's always better when we can share
1: do you There's a couple of questions I have here. Number one is, yeah, I do definitely feel like owning the emotions has been in my own trauma therapy and the trauma work that I do with people today, the coaching, the life coaching, the leadership coaching, all of it, owning your emotions, all of it, right? Is really important and not projecting it onto other people and just flinging it (laughs) which I think so many people can be apt to do as well. This isn't mine. I'm just going to fling it to somebody else so that I don't have to hold it and work through it. And so that's one of the things that I just wanted to bring up. But I think it's actually a beautiful journey of owning your emotions, all of it. From, I was not crying on the plane, by the way. Like, I turned around and I had a whole row of people to the back right of me that were watching me go through this when I was coming back from Alaska. Because it was my last retreat when I was, I just had this like overwhelming just release of emotion of, okay, I'm now going home for this, for my mom's memorial and the service. And I'm stepping into all of this other stuff. And it was not crying all over the place. And that's good. Like I looked at, and I remember as I was wiping my tears and everything away, and I was thinking how many people won't show that? How many people will put the hood over their face or you know, the mask over their mouth and just be like, I'm not going to show that. And I think it's actually a beautiful part of the journey is being able to show all of it. I once had, and I just want to two things here. Number one is grief. I'd want to point out to everybody, grief is not only the loss of a loved one. Grief is a loss of a relationship, of a a partner. It could be through going through divorce. I've gone through a lot of grief, different varying grief journeys. When I ended up having, not losing, but shifting my entire life from the age of 17 and, and having a loss of my future that I thought it was going to be, there was a big grief in that. And so that's the other thing that I just want to point out to people. And also just accepting the... The beauty of the grief moments for sometimes what they can be from even strangers. I was another snot crying moment. I have a few of those. I was sitting in my car. I remember I'd pulled off. I was crying so hard. And it was through the first part of my journey when I found out about my ex-husband, now ex-husband, former husband at the time, my husband at the time, now former husband. And I was crying so hard. I pulled over the car into a parking lot because I was even having a hard time driving and I, my windows were up, but I was cr- the sobbing crying where it, it's just everything coming out, and the ugly cry, but it's actually the beautiful cry. I like, I love that cry too, because it's like the deepest release where when you're crying and you can be like, okay, bring it up even more. Just keep bringing it up. And I turned to the left and this woman came out of nowhere and she asked me to roll my window down and I did. And she said, I just want to let you know that I'm going to pray for you. And I don't know what's going on in your life, but just know that I see you. And it was complete stranger. And I was like, wow, thank you. Thank you for that. And so even when, and it's a reminder of when you see people that are in that state of grieving, it's okay for you to go up and have the moment and not be an avoidance of it. Would you agree with that? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I just think about how powerful that had to feel for you to know you weren't alone.
1: You I'll weren't never alone forget in that it.
0: moment that someone witnessed that and had compassion for you. I think that is such a powerful thing. I don't think many people experience that. I think most people when they experience their grief or big emotions, other people
1: are saying it's gonna be okay. Oh, let's talk about some of the things that you don't say to people. And, we, and, then I, and I'm going to literally gonna write down in my book, this tagged memory that or this tag thing that I want to share with you. What are some of the things that we don't say to people?
0: Yeah, they're in a better place. Oh. At least you can have other children, or at least you can have children, or at least anything that starts with at least. Can we just not say that? Just not say uh, that. Just not say that. I think what's what's most I I guess what I would rather is that people say, I see you. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm here for you. Yes. I'll sit with you. Just being present. We it all comes for the most part, it all comes from a place of, I see someone else in pain. I wanted to help take that pain away. But what that actually communicates when we say something like that is, please stop, you're making me uncomfortable. And grievers are very acutely aware of not wanting to burden other people, not wanting to be a spectacle, not wanting to be seen as weak. And so most grievers are very in their shell about their grief because of that. And so when we can just say, I'll just sit with you, I'll bring a chocolate shake and we'll just sit here. I'll bring the Kleenexes. I see you I'll, If it is part of your faith to say, I'll pray for you. That's beautiful. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I see you and I'm sending thoughts of comfort to you.
1: So community is really important. I do. I have found that in my own journey as well community is very important. When I was at this is the one thing that did happen is when I was at my I won't say names, but when I was at my my mom's visitation, I had somebody come up to me and I hadn't seen them in a very long time. And I hugged them and started bawling, like literally started bawling. I'm an emotional human being. I love my emotions. And they looked at me and said, "Now Sarah, you have to get strong. And (laughs) thankfully I do this work. And so I didn't take it. I didn't internalize it. What I did was tell myself at that moment, this is my strong. And I encourage everybody truly that vulnerability is one of the most strong things that you can actually step into being your authentic self. And then when we were during the service, when we were ended up taking the casket back and we were taking her down to the burial site, I lost my shit again. And I literally, because I'm the only girl, and so I took my dad's hand and we were walking down during the service, during the church service on the aisle, and I was bawling. And I remember thinking to myself at this moment, this is your moment to grieve. Don't let somebody else's words take it from you. Because I met it immediately went flipped back to, hey, you got to get strong. And in that moment, I was thinking to myself, I am being strong. I'm being strong for me. And I am allowing myself to grieve the loss of my mom. And nobody can take that from me unless I choose. And so that is my strength. It's my emotions. And so I just simply would encourage everybody going through this process that find your strong for you. And if that means... It's not crying in the airplane as you're heading there or allowing yourself to just simply ball wherever you need to and, or even laugh when you need to, that's your strength. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And for you, emoting is what, what helps you release and to connect with that pain. And, and realizing that other people have other strengths. Some are, I need to do. That's how I get yes, out yes. Men typically are more of that camp. I hate to gender stereotype, but th- that tends to be. They tend to be more of those instrumental grievers. They need to do something. So they're going to be the ones that let me mow the grass or shovel the driveway or do this or do that, Erin. That's how they feel of service and that's how they work out some of those. When my mother-in-law died and my husband and his brother, they processed their grief by cleaning out the basement and they were at their mother's house who the house was, had been their grandmother's house too. And so there was two generations oh. of stuff in their basement. So there was a lot of memories and a lot of things that had just been just stored, 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 but they were like on a mission and they were able to find humor. They would find money and so they would yell out money and it would all go in this bowl. They found probably 30 different scissors. They were able to find some humor in that along with finding some connection companion with each other doing this and being able to cry when they needed to. But there was something tangible that they could do in a situation where they feel really helpless so I think that's on that those two ex- spectrum yeah. pieces one's not better than the other and giving permission that however you need to process your grief and these feelings, whether that's verbally or i'm just crying or i need to do something, all of that is is valid and good and when we can trust ourselves to connect with what we need to do, we're going to do much better on, on the grief journey.
1: What can we learn from our loss? What can we learn from the, this process? What, what can we learn from losing somebody that we care so deeply about? Or even what can we learn about when we lose somebody that we don't give a shit about? There, there is that too, right? There is that. There is that. And, if we, that and, and if we but. broaden that
0: out too, of not just a death loss, but right. loss of something that we wished happened that didn't happen. And, so uh, across the board, it's, it's going to be different for every single person. Whether that is to be more present in our relationships, to not live small, mm. to chase our dreams, to say what we need to say, there, we're all going to draw meaning. And that's that's ultimately, I think, what the purpose what we what the purpose of grieving is. How do we make sense of this? What meaning are we going to draw from this experience? And that's going to be different for every single person. And so when I'm journeying with clients, it's definitely sitting with them in the muck, feeling all of those feelings. And it evolves and it works so that we then get to a point of what does all of this mean? What, how are you going to live your life? What is the the point of all of this? And it's going to be different for everyone. And it's for some, it takes years to get to that point of figuring out the meaning behind. How do we want to ascribe meaning to this? But that is, that's the quintessential human quality that we have of meaning making. We're constantly trying to make sense of why did this happen and what's the point and what do I do with this information? How, and so it, it takes us, for some, it takes us a lot longer. Others, it, it comes much quicker. Um, And again, that depends on what was the relationship like, what kind of unfinished business do we have, what other kind of traumas, what other kinds of things are going in our life. We've got all kinds of things going on. It's going to be a lot harder to process that grief and get to a place of meaning making than if it was a loved one who had been very ill for a long time with an illness. Even then, it can still be really hard to say goodbye and make meaning. But that's ultimately going to be
1: each person's task, if you will. It's fascinating. So my mom passed on July 6th and July 7th, I had to drive to the Grand Canyon. I didn't have to do anything. I could have shut down my entire month of July if I felt like it and everybody would have understood. I was telling one of my groups earlier this evening, I was on a call and I said, I feel like my mom gave me the biggest gift at the gift of timing. It was her passing when she did gave me the opportunity for when I was running literally one of the most difficult schedule-wise months of my working life, running three retreats from the Grand Canyon to the San Juan Mountains to Alaska. Could I be any more like all over the place too? And I sat with that that night, or that morning when I was on the phone with my family and I said, what am I supposed to do here? And my sister-in-law sent me a text and said, you go that's what she would want from you. You go. And I feel like my mom gave me the biggest gift of that because it was my healing journey through those three retreats as well. And she continued to show up for me every single step of the way. And had I not, had I shut down my month of July, I wouldn't have been given the gift of that. I want to call it universal heavenly connection that she is so freaking powerful in that she gave me signs across the board like through these three retreats and then it allowed me to have this relationship with her in a completely different way that's beyond a human physical connection but it's the space and it was a reminder that when we pass our bodies leave but our spirit and that connection and that love that we have had it's still there it's I want to say for me, anyhow, a transference, it's a different kind of organic experience that we haven't had before. And yet it doesn't leave. You're still there with it. And one of my clients said to me, I want to find that gift of awareness. I want to find that gift of being able to see my loved ones when they're not physically here. And and what I have found in my journey through what, 49 years now? It's that we're born with it. We all have it. It's that human space, that human connection, that human love, that faith, that beautiful origin within each and every one of us. I find that with society, we tend to shut it down because of our traumas, because of the things that have happened to us, because of our projecting, because we don't, we just have our anger of our pain, whatever it is. But what I explained to her was you've started this healing journey. You're on this healing journey. You're finding clarity, which is exactly what we were talking about as well. And so stay open to that. Stay open to the signs, to the, I don't know, even sometimes visions, the things that where they are literally there with you. And don't deny that from yourself. Don't deny that gift to you. That is literally one of the biggest gifts that you can also have and accept. And so that's been one of the the things that I have found in this journey. It's been wild. It's been absolutely wild. And like I told them, I'm like, what if I would have shut down my entire month of July and not had these experiences, which then I can share with all of you as well. I could very well have done that. And that's the human mind of, in the way that so many times people, when they are in this journey, it's, well, what, would, what should I be doing? Well, what do you want to do? What would that person that has passed want you to do? And I kept going back to that. It was like, mom would want me to, do the work. And she'd want me to be doing this now, not only for others, but also for myself. And so that's why I did do what I did. It was hard. It was really, and it ended with a snot crying flight back home from Alaska, (laughs) really bad, but good, but really good. (laughs) really good. Yeah.
0: I think so many of my clients will talk about seeing signs and I think you're absolutely right. They're there if you look for them, because again, we're kind con- that's just what our brains do. They're constantly looking for ways to make meaning. And so if we're, if we allow ourselves to be open to that, we will see signs that we need to. See. And the, what I hear is this idea that, that there in us. Their love is there with us, their essence from their body, there's a part of it that just comes in inside to us. And again, if we just listen, I am frequently saying, what would so and so say? What would they do? How would they comfort you? We can channel that. We can connect to that. Similar to the idea of writing in the journal of this unanswered question, what they would have said to you, what they would have wanted for you. And so it's just listening to that and being open to that.
1: Can you give me, and maybe you can, maybe without obviously names or keeping confidentiality. Can you give me some of what any magical moments that your clients have had?
0: Uh, So a, a, a common one that causes actually so much it either causes pain or it causes complete joy or completeness. Connection is, and I have had clients that are so desperate to have a dream with their loved one in there, and they're just tortured that they don't. And then I'll have clients that are dreaming and they don't want the dream. I'll have clients that do have the dream and it, and they don't want to wake up and it's painful to wake up because they, they can be lost in this fantasy of the person here, or it can be, they had a dream and the person said, you're going to be okay. And that gave them a tremendous amount of comfort and has helped them in their healing journey. It's tough. It's tough. These signs of wanting them, not what it's. And so it's, they're not always just a universal, oh yeah, the sign feels good or, oh, you can just be open to them. It's complicated. And so to be able to sit with them and just try to make sense of that, that sometimes we, it takes a while for us to make sense of all of it.
1: I was sitting with a woman who was grieving a friend and unfortunately somebody with, I'll say another person was denying her sign and was telling this, friend of mine, that's not really what it is. And was really minimizing, I guess you could say, but in that minimizing, they caused so much pain to this other person who was experiencing these signs. And what I would also say to people is allow people to have their experiences, please. <laughs> They're their experiences and they are not there for you. They are there experiences and so allow them the gift of simply having that because we are all on our own journey Mm -hmm. yes yes snaps (laughs) for that (laughs) exactly because what I'm hearing is really
0: validating we're all on our own grief journey right Mm -hmm. all doing the best that we can trying to get through and if we can just show some compassion and some understanding that would go so far so much farther and not just in grief but in life in general that we're all just trying to do the best that we can. And if we can all just show each other just a little bit more compassion and understanding that maybe we can help other people heal.
1: Yeah. So in essence of time, I do want to just simply ask you, give us a few last tools or thoughts that you would give to our listeners that are also on this journey, regardless of what If whatever grief journey it is. Can I actually step in and give one? Do you mind while you're thinking? One of the calls I was just on, was explaining to them and I went through my own divorce and a lot of people do. And I was explaining to them that we do have a grief journey that we go through the divorce process as well. And if it's a grief for our children that they didn't get to experience what we thought that they would, or the grief of, us not being able to experience what we thought we were going to have as a family, whatever it is, the changing of it all, the newness of the life. And what I explained to them was it's okay for you to grieve. Even if that relationship ended up being a really hard one, even if it ended up being where you're sitting there saying, how the hell did I get in that relationship? It's okay to grieve that relationship. It's okay for you to say, I loved that person. And it's okay for you to honor that because, you know, how beautiful that you went through that relationship loving someone. How beautiful that you are that human being that can love that deeply and that can care for a human being in that way. And I think that sometimes we don't want to grieve the things that we think were not healthy for us. However, when we also honor that, Okay, even if it wasn't healthy for us, we're accepting the learning that has come from the relationship that ended up not being what we thought it was going to be. And so it's okay to grieve that. And the two women that were on this call, two of them who I was primarily speaking to were like, oh my God, thank you for permission to do just that. Because you still have to go through that process too. You have every right to. You have every right to. There's a lot of times, a lot of things in my life that I've grieved that were not particularly the best choices in my life. You also grieve the fact that there was the time spent, there was the choice, there was the energy that was put into it. And look at the learning that comes on the other side.
0: I guess what I would encourage any listener who's listening and who's grieving is to give yourself care and compassion that this is probably one of the most difficult experiences you will go through. And we're not real good at giving ourselves compassion. We like to say we should be doing this or it should look like this. And we're pretty hard on ourselves. So if we can give ourselves some care, some compassion, some understanding be a little bit more easy on ourselves and know that we're going to get through this. There's no getting over, but we get through it and we start to to learn about ourselves. We start to learn more about others and our world when we're able to do that. And so just give ourselves a little bit of compassion, be a little bit easier, a little more tender.
1: i always in my sessions asking clients, how are you going to take care of yourself this week? Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that because that's definitely... I always say, Mm fear self compassion. It's one of the greatest gifts that you can give to you. And also giving it to other people that are also going down this journey. Mm -hmm. And just remembering that we all at some point in our life have to go through it because there isn't one of us that isn't going to lose somebody else at some point. Mm -hmm. So just remembering that as well and being kind and supportive and holding space for those people that also do need it.
0: Beautiful.
1: Thank you for being here. See, this was fun. (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it, it was fun actually i love having deep conversations with people and i find it to be very fun and it's cool it's a cool thing to do so thank you for being on yeah. this podcast episode with us where can everybody find you so
0: my website is creatingspacetherapy.com and so if you are in Illinois and looking for grief counseling or want to learn more, or I I do soul shine workshops, which are a creative soul searching workshops that help grievers and trauma survivors transform their lives. Where in Illinois are you? Just outside of
1: Chicago in a beautiful town called Batavia. Oh, of course. Yeah. So I used to live in Milwaukee years ago so many years ago. And right now I'm in black earth, Wisconsin. So there you go. You're not too far from me. I didn't even know that. So that's great. And do you have any social media?
0: Yeah. So it would be my Instagram handle is creating space therapy, Batavia.
1: Perfect. That's perfect. Thank you so much.
0: And thank you so much for having me and, you for... and not being shy about your grief. I think thank we you. need more people to share their journey and let people know that we can talk about hard things, that it's okay to, to share. It's okay to not cry, that the more that we are open and recognizing that we all grieve helps us to embrace our vulnerability and realize that it's okay. It's okay to be seen. It's okay to show up.
1: Yeah. Thank and you. Other people that. are going to be there. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate you and I appreciate your time. All right. Thank until you. Right, next time. Thank you so much. My friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so grateful to have you here. I'd love to invite you over to sarahscheltencrans.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey. Many that I used myself while on my road from victim to survivor. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who may need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page. Leave a message in my comments and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you. And as I always say, I believe in you, us, always. Seeking the truth never gets old.